thinking creatively about how we can add differentiation into the, the engagement with the customer and come back to our organizations with those new ideas for something that will actually be different. Welcome to the Redefining Sales Podcast. My name is Abby White and I'm the CEO of Sales Redefined. We are running this podcast series all about the IT industry and we have a range of experts from the industry who are going to talk to you about where they see the biggest growth opportunities for 2022. Now this week we're kickstarting with Phil Dickman, Chief Revenue Officer of Intuit Technologies. Phil has an extensive background in the industry and is someone who I absolutely love talking to. He's always been reading the latest book, studying the latest thing and always has some amazing insights to share. Prior to joining Intuit Technologies, Phil was also at Data3 within the industry in multiple leadership roles. He was CEO of Greenbox before that and has so much knowledge to share. So in this interview, we're going to be finding out where Phil thinks there's the biggest opportunities for growth, how we can bring sales and marketing together and where to go from here. Welcome, Mr. Phil Dickman, onto the Redefining Sales podcast, our mini IT series. Hi, Abby. How are you? And hello, everyone. It's good to be on. Thanks for joining us. I'm excited about this IT series. It's um, it's good fun. Yeah, no, I always like um, getting a chance to talk. You know that. So um, let's get right into it, hey? <laughs> hey, why do you think I invited you on? I knew it would be good fun and entertaining. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we are doing a rapid fire, quick 15 minute round. And our first question is around, what do you think some of the opportunities for growth are in the IT industry for 2022? Yeah, no, there's plenty going on, obviously. And I think everyone listening to this would understand it. Rolling out of the pandemic, as we um, most hopefully will this year, I think there's going to be a couple of different elements. Um, First and foremost, this will be news to no one, but it is so true, right? Security is going to continue to play uh, a key theme in, in what's going on in the market and what people are going to need more and more of, only because the the um, vectors in which um, people are operating digitally continue to explode, right? And that's going to need to be secured. So security will be an ongoing thing and, um, you know, the big constraints in that space that are going to stop us from resourcing. So that'll be the only handbrake on the security industry within digital platforms, you know, in our industry. But the other two areas that I think are going to be really exciting uh, and uh, massive opportunities for growth are the optimization of working from anywhere is going to continue to be a massive theme, I think, over the next 24 to, to, to 48 months even. And, and we're talking three, four years uh, down the track. No one's going back to the work from the office five days a week. Not going to happen, right? So that game is done. Uh, but there'll be even more ways of working in a hybrid fashion, some that I suspect we haven't even encountered yet as people really get decoupled, you know, from their offices. Look at Atlassian's recent announcement with no one ever has to come back and 25% of their Sydney staff went, right, we're leaving New South Wales, you know. So uh, some massive changes. What does that mean? It means opportunities in networking. It means opportunities in uh advanced edge computing it means opportunities in really doubling down on mobility on the desktop in a virtual sense mobility on laptops new ways of working on devices all of that's going to need more and more work and assistance and and, and um you know spend from companies to get that right because they need to be attractive uh and that sort of is a great segue to the other opportunity for real growth i think and 
everyone's probably expecting me to say cloud, but no. I think the use of technology to make the workplace an engaging, connected, and exciting environment, the virtual workplace, is absolutely a whole new world we haven't explored yet. And so that's the longer term big prospect for us. Things like augmented reality, um, all sorts of things in that space that I don't think we've even figured out yet. Because the one thing I guarantee you is everyone is sick to death of sitting for eight hours on Zoom or Teams. Guaranteed, right? Yet we know we're not going to go back to being in an office. So therefore, what's going to happen? We're going to need to invest in um, great ways of working in new and different ways. And it'll all be digital. It'll all be driven by technology. So I think that's a huge opportunity for growth if we can get that right. But it means we're going to have to get outside the traditional boxes that we've worked in and maybe start partnering with organisations that we haven't traditionally partnered with. So I think that's going to be huge. It's hard, right? Because I've got a new starter coming on board next week and it's all onboarding virtually. Hey, meet the team virtually. There's not that same just sitting next to each other in the office, picking up things that, ah, I heard you on the phone saying this or going for the coffee chat. It's it's just a totally different game. Yeah, so there's massive, I think, massive, if we can reinvent that, there's massive opportunity, yeah. you got a way of articulating it. It makes it sound super exciting. I love it. Um, And then what I am particularly excited about is how do sales and marketing support those three growth opportunities? Yeah, and that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Because um, I think the big challenge for sales and marketing, or I know you love the term marketing, right? And and the blend of those, those two functions together. Our big challenge is we have to get outside traditional sales because Good salespeople are going to need to become more than just great um, relationship builders and maintainers. They're going to have to be more than just people who have a, a set of defined solutions that they're trying to show their customers can add value to their business. You know, that's not going to be enough anymore. We're going to have to actually create. So all of us logical, analytical, process-driven people who've been using our left brain forever are going to have to get right brain because we're the people in touch with customers and therefore we're the ones hearing what they're trying to do. No longer can we just rely on someone else to build our solution set or build our product in a virtual sense to deliver. We're going to have to create. We're going to have to get in front of a whiteboard, consult with customers, think differently, get right brain, tap some of that creative problem solving and actually be involved in the design of product, that's scary. That's going to be scary for a lot of people. It's traditionally been, you know, product management inside the big marketing teams, job to just do that or, you know, some other function. And in sales and marketing, we've just generated interest, generated leads, handed it off to sales. That world's about to explode because we're going to have to do more to create that because, the information overload in our customer world means that they don't need us to just inform them. They've got that name. So um, I think what we need to do is start thinking creatively about how we can add differentiation into the, the engagement with the customer and come back to our organisations with those new ideas for something that will actually be different. Uh, so that'll be a joint thing because market marketing will be doing research, sales will be out in front of customers or on the phone or on Zoom 
you know, so so we've all got to work together. And I really see the lines continuing to blur between traditional sales and marketing. You have just totally uh, spoken my language. So you mentioned there my favorite word of smarting. You mentioned there that it's going to be joint. Several of the points that you made there for that to actually work, sales and marketing do have to come together. And I'm fascinated by your answer on this one because I know you've worked for some really large um, partners. You've worked for smaller partners. You've kind of got really great exposure and, and exposure in the industry. How do you bring sales and marketing teams together to do that? Yeah, so... There's probably two sides to this. There's functional structure-related people management lenses that we need, I think, need to put on it. And then there's the more um, esoteric world of um, building things together, right? So, so to the first lens, I actually think that we've got to almost get away from having sales and having marketing. I think we need to build a blended team with single leadership, single accountabilities working together. It's almost like, um, I remember Mark, I was talking about this years ago, at, I think it was a Dell Partner Advisory Board. Um, and he was saying that unless you're investing dollar for dollar in your, in your marketing in a digital capacity as you are in your sales team and your headcounts are the same, their research is saying you're gonna fall behind. I think we're gonna see that as a truism where for every one supposed sales headcount, you should have some form of uh, what might have been called traditional marketing person working hand in hand with them because you're going to need that combination to go ahead. Now, that would obviously drive a smarketing concept. So I think those things need to be looked at. And then, of, of course, I think on the other side of it is we've got to have um, a symbiotic circular type relationship between the two functions. Again, that can be driven by the structure. But what I mean by that is you can't have marketing, 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 building campaign, building lead, building you know, interest, whatever the, the, the focus of the pitch is, hand it over to sales, walk away. Sales then either walk through the sales process and close or close lost, you know, close one, right? So that linear progression are gone. We need an iterative circular, dare I say it as an ex-coder from many years ago, some form of agile model or scrum-based model or something a stand-up approach, if you like, to 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 that cycle working together in an evolutionary process. So I think that's how I think it could be done. Yeah, and it's such a challenge. I think the latest stats I read were, um, we just did a white paper on this. I think it was nine out of 10 sales and marketing professionals don't believe they're in alignment on KPIs, culture, yep. strategy. One third of sales and marketing professionals don't even talk regularly. So it's actually a big barrier to then go back to where you've just said you see the opportunity, which is actually the joint um, coming together. It's a big barrier to break down. Yeah, totally. And, and I think, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and say it, but the, the magic will be as always in the execution, right? Yeah. Oh, shared passion we have for execution. So on that note, that actually leads me quite nicely. Um, I think that the IT industry, there is a high performance game. It's a high pressure game. Um, and you've obviously been extremely successful in the industry. So what do you think it takes to play a high performance game in, in the IT industry? Big question for you. Yeah, um, you're very nice. I've been moderately successful. I think we could always be better, right? Um, I, I think... Um, I think the hard thing about high performance is there's so many factors that go into it, right? But, um, you know, 
in my experience, the high-performing individuals that you come across and that continue to be successful, and there's no secrets here, right? They're lifelong learners, so they keep they keep trying to learn something new. They never stop at that. Um, they there's no substitute for hard work. So while I absolutely agree that there has to be a really good balance, and you know, I love the idea of the four-hour working week and all that stuff like yeah come on there's there's a bit of hard work that's always going to go into it right high performance comes with hard work tom brady just retired right greatest quarterback of all time his discipline was phenomenal right you look at what it took him to be that person um you know and he worked really really hard to get it and it's the same in our industry right you've got to work hard i think the other thing though i would observe that's only really coming to the fore more recently in industry, and I think it's really, really important, is we've got to look after ourselves. So mm. we've got to understand that you can't you can't actually always perform at your peak. So having just talked about hard work, I think our definition of that's got to change. So there's 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 so much research now that shows quite clearly that high performance is cyclical. It is not just the level that you stay at. And so we need to recognise that. We need to build our businesses a bit differently to cater for people's um, cycle down, cycle up model. And we need to build in those breaks and look after ourselves physically, mentally, spiritually, however you work emotionally. Um, for sustained high performance, those things are actually really, really important because then you're in the best state of mind to execute on whatever it is you're doing, whether it's sales, whether it's marketing or, or indeed other, other jobs. So I think we're going to have to recognise that more in our industry or we're going to see... Because their industry is growing and is high growth and high energy, we're going to see people burn out, and that's the last thing we want to see. So that, I think, is also going to be a really important part of it. Yeah, I agree with that. I actually ironically interviewed yesterday someone who focuses on, um, she's a nutritionist, but she's worked with some really big CEOs, corporations, and she talks about actually to play the high performance game, then, you know, what are you feeding yourself? Are you doing the exercise? There's a reason why Barack Obama every single morning worked out. I'm sure he had plenty of excuses that he didn't have the time and he was too busy running America, but he always prioritized it because he actually needed to be on his A game. And I, I agree with you. I think we'll see that coming more into IT. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've talked about, I've got a really cruel question now. We have talked about quite a few different things in a very short period of time. If there was one thing that you believe could be the success success factor for growth and you could just do one of these things that we've talked about, what one would you pick? It's actually not hard at all. Um, I think the concept that would, that would drive better high performance growth than anything else is very simple. It's how you do it that's really tricky, right? And that is um, have your people love working with you, not for you, with you, and have them engaged and wanting to turn up to work. So short answer, have amazingly engaged and happy staff. Not happy in a superficial sense, but fulfilled, finding purpose, finding meaning. I think the one thing that would take care of everything else is that. Because if you have those people, by definition, they're going to be high performers, they're going to be the best people, they're going to deliver. You might get some things wrong, your systems might be up to scratch, but if you people are amazing and they love doing what they're doing, you're going to win, particularly in this market, right? 
So that's the easy answer, a single concept that would blow everything else out of the water. But doing that, the double-edged sword of this, that's the hardest challenge in our industry for, mm. by far, right? So, so um, and, and you know, I'm, I'm in a leadership role. It's the thing that keeps me up at night, right? Because I know I've got so much more to do personally to be the kind of leader that hopefully helps people feel that way as being part of a team and working with. So, you know, it is the single hardest thing, but it's going to pay off in spades if we can all get it right. And it's such a challenge this year. You know, PwC are predicting there's going to be 40% of the Australian workforce is going to resign and there's the great resignation. So it's also probably even more challenging from that perspective than it's been before. Yeah, totally. Like, and, um, and, and that's why, though, it becomes so critical because you, you can't keep people on money. You know, you can't keep people on, you know, a great funky office because guess what? They're not going to be in an office anymore. Right. So, um, so you're going to have to put all of those things into the melting point and figure out. I think the key is in purpose. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a big Simon Sitting fan. You know that, right? Um, but but in the, there's something in the why that historically for centuries has kept us humans doing what we do. Right. It's always been the why. Uh, so if you're a student of history, you know that. And that's just as true 2022 as it was back in, you know, 1100. It, so if we can find the why, then um, we can make it work. Now, I'm not for a second saying that's easy. That's really tricky. Um, and it's going to be different for every organisation. But if we can move towards that, then we're moving in the right direction. Yeah, love that answer. Love Simon Sinek too. So my final question for you, and I'm actually intrigued by this. Favorite business book? I know you are a massive reader, so I am super curious about your answer to this. So this changes, right? This changes over time. <laughs> so when, when you ask this question, it's a point in time question, right? But over, and I'm going to make a shameless plug here because I got sent a copy for free from my good friends at Dell Technologies and um, Michael Dell's new book, Play Nice But Win. I read it over my Christmas break. It was one of my one of the ones on my reading list. And it is actually really, really good. It is it is a real insight. He opens up, historically a very private man, right? So very, very successful. Everyone knows the successes that he had. But he, in the book, he opens up quite a bit and talks about, you know, the journey of building Dell originally. But he also narrows in on the more recent transactions, you know, buying EMC and when he took a private back um, sort of in the mid, I think it was 2010, 2011, around then. So he uses those lenses to unpack the bigger story and share some insights into his into his personal journey. So uh, at the moment, that's that's my favourite business book. No doubt it'll change, but it was a really good read. You're like me. Every time I talk to my team, I go, oh, this book was a brilliant book. It's my favourite book. And they're like, yesterday it was a different one, Abby, this is favourite book. So well, this is my favourite book today. But I've actually got that book and I haven't read it yet. So you've just spurred me on to put that one to the top of my pile. Yeah, it's a good read. Phil Dickman, thank you so, so, so much. As always, lots of juicy nuggets of gold. And thank you so much for joining us. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Now, before you leave us, if you would like to download our latest white paper on the state of sales and marketing, which unpacks four steps to drive hyper growth in your business, please visit whitepaper.com 
www.salesredefined.com.au. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure that you subscribe so that you never miss a future episode. And finally, we would absolutely love it and appreciate it if you could leave us a review and maybe even share with a friend. We'll see you next time. Oh, 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 o